I want to begin reading tonight in the first verse of 1 Peter chapter 1, where Simon Peter introduces himself as Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verses 4 and 5 are my primary text verses tonight. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. For the sake of those of you who have not been with us in previous services, I've been preaching in these days on some of God's precious promises. I stated one night, I repeat it, all of God's promises are precious promises. But we only had six services this week, so I've been preaching on some of God's precious promises. We've looked at some familiar verses and then some verses that are not so familiar. Tonight, I'd like to use this Emphasis regarding our inheritance. And I would preach for a few minutes tonight on a promise that goes beyond. A promise that goes beyond. Of course, we've all had promises that didn't go very far. I believe some people meant well. And perhaps even some businesses meant well when they promised a product would perform or would accomplish what we had hoped it would accomplish. But when we come to this precious promise, it is not mere words. It is not just a religious concept that is set before us. But here's a promise that goes beyond all. It goes beyond the borders of time. It goes beyond the atmospheres of this life. It goes beyond all our expectations. And I'd like to revel in this promise for just a few minutes tonight. 
a promise that goes beyond. I read the earlier verses because I think we should make this preface emphasis. Just everybody can't say that this promise is their promise. This is not an across the board promise. But verse number two qualifies. Verses two and three qualifies who are the recipients of this promise. First we're called the elect. The chosen, not according to our decision, but according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Intimately and perfectly, God knew us in ages past. And we have hopes of ages uh, tomorrow, of ages future, because of what God settled. In ages past. Elect. According to the foreknowledge. Of God the Father. Then we also claim this inheritance. Not only by what the Father has planned for us. In choosing us. In electing us. But you'll notice we are set aside. We are sanctified. Set apart. By the Spirit through the sanctification of the Spirit. How would we have ever known that God had all this in mind for us had not the Spirit of God set us aside and dealt with us and worked in our lives. Of course, here is the great cornerstone of the gospel. The Lord Jesus died to make all this possible. Christ died for our sins. And there's a reference to the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost qualify us for this inheritance. This promise that goes beyond. Of course verse 3 reminds us that in time we have been born again. Begotten again. Unto this lively or living hope. By the resurrection of Jesus. He didn't just die. But he came from the grave. To justify his people. Verse number four says on this basis, <laughs> because we are chosen by the Father and set aside by the Spirit and we are purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus and because we are born again and Christ's resurrection gives us grounds for justification with God, we have an inheritance. Have an inheritance. All of this is to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled 
and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And then, of course, this, this phrase accompanies the first emphasis. Who reserved in heaven for you? Who are kept by the power of God through faith under salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time? Now, I'd just like to make five simple observations from these verses or these phrases in verses 4 and 5. First of all, I'd like to underline that this promise that goes beyond, firstly, goes beyond all death and all that is associated with death. The first word that describes our inheritance is the word incorruptible. We have an inheritance that is incorruptible. The idea is that it is immortal. It is not just one, an inheritance that we claim in this world, a mortal claim, but it is an immortal, incorruptible, imperishable, Inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's beyond and goes beyond the reach of death. There's nothing about it uh, that has the taint or the marks of death on it. I'm not going to, I trust, overemphasize this, but I've noticed in every one of these traits, in every one of these characteristics which are descriptive of our inheritance that it all comes back to God's character and Christ's nature. This inheritance that is ours shall never die because God shall never die. Christ is alive and alive forevermore. He himself declared, I am the resurrection and the life. And here we have promise of an incorruptible inheritance. One that can never perish. One has rendered it in these words, it cannot come to nothing. It is an estate that cannot be spent. Ah, there's no facet of death which can touch our inheritance. It's interesting, isn't it, that earthly inheritances are ours by virtue of death. But upon death, we lose all. It passes on to someone else. Well, our, our inheritance certainly is ours based upon the death of the testator, Christ, who is the author and the agent of the new covenant. He has bestowed upon us this living inheritance. But hallelujah, We'll never know anything about losing this inheritance. 
Because it is incorruptible. It is incorruptible. There's another truth embodied in that term undefiled. Our inheritance is incorruptible and undefiled. I would say secondly then, it goes beyond all death. And this promise goes beyond all defilement. The word undefiled here suggests that it cannot be and never will be stained. Or we might say it will never be soiled. It will never be impaired. Uh, it, the Canaanites, you remember, defiled the land with idolatry. The children of Israel's inheritance had the stain of idolatry upon it. But our inheritance, our future inheritance has no defilement about it. It goes beyond all death. It goes beyond all defilement. Our robes in that world, our, our garments will never be soiled. Our crowns will never rust. Of course, I'm not so sure all of us going to get crowns, but for those who do, you heard about the woman, didn't you, that told her pastor she's very concerned about how she's going to get her robe on over her crown. And he said, Sister, if I was you, I'd worry more about how I'm going to get it over my horns. <laughs> not over my crown. Uh, the fact is that we know much about death and defilement in this world. But hallelujah, we're going to a place where defilement cannot end. A place where there'll be no more sin place where there be no more sorrow, place where there be no more tears, there be no more pain. Hallelujah. It is a place, the promise here tells us of a place that goes beyond all defilement. I can't hardly grasp it. Uh, I have had problems from year to year of outgrowing my clothes. But one of the bigger problems I have is not just outgrowing some of my clothes, but my, my clothes not lasting very long. Blame it on the cleaners. Blame it on the material. Blame it on my cheap appetite. Choosing a lesser or an inferior garment. But often our, our clothes get defiled and, and they deteriorate and, and, and they're no longer of any value. But oh, beloved, we're headed for a country where there is none of that. Our inheritance is an undefiled, unsawed, unimpaired, unstained inheritance. I recently looked at a little testament and will 
that a man had written out longhand back in 1913. And he had left it for his two children. Actually, it had more children, but some of them had had complications and died, uh, physical complications. His wife had died, so he was leaving what he had for two children. And as I read that will, I, I got tickled at looking at the will. Not his writing, not the paper, but it had been in an old Bible so long that it was yellow and stained itself. Why, the will was stained. The testament was stained. I want to tell you, the will and the testament of God is not stained. And our inheritance is not stained. We're headed for a country that is incorruptible and undefiled. And then he added, and that fadeth not away. Alfred gave his little outline on that fourth verse. He said, our heavenly Inheritance is incorruptible in substance. It is undefiled in purity. It is unfading in beauty. Well, perhaps those are the proper approaches. But I want to tell you, everything about it is incorruptible. And everything about it is undefiled. And everything about it is unfading. I would say thirdly then, our inheritance not only goes beyond all death and goes beyond all defilement, but it goes beyond all deterioration. It cannot grow old. It is a perennial inheritance. It is an ongoing, own living inheritance. <laughs> The songwriter said, it's a land where we'll never grow old. Well, we'll never grow old because we're, we're the Christ who never grows old. He gives us the promise of incorruption. He gives us the promise of undefiled. And he is at the heart of this unfading deterioration in our inheritance. Uh, they tell us that though there'll never be any more land made and that land is supposed to be your best investment, it also deteriorates. I went down below my dad's property recently. My land sort of is offshoot of my dad's property and my brother's offshoot on the other side. And... Uh, I kept noticing that that my little creek on my property, when I'd go down there to pray, my little creek, even though it hadn't rained, it looked muddy. And so I went down on the bottom part of my dad's property. And uh, though I'm not an outdoorsman, I don't think of everything like some of you would. I had wondered if maybe some of the bank had not caved on. And I got over there and found that my thoughts were valid. And part of the little bank that feeds off of my dad's property into my property had caved off and, 
And that little old stream was carrying the property away. There, there was my inheritance going down the river. Going down the creek. Well, such as it is, I want to say that we're headed for a place where nothing fades away and nothing deteriorates. Nothing becomes less. Nothing becomes minus. Nothing becomes a, a subtracted measure. Never. It's always uh, like a, uh, this world is like a fading flower. But our inheritance in God is like an ever-growing uh, flower, an ever-growing forest. It never fades. It, it never deteriorates. Never wears out. We all know these bodies. These bodies at their best wear out. Some of us may abuse them more than others. And I can't figure out this life, uh, life length concept. I, I hear all kinds of suggestions. I read different articles. The reason I read them is my wife puts them in front of me and says, you need to read them. And so I'll read it. Uh, she's concerned about our health. In fact, uh, she's almost turned into a, uh, a health fanatic. Uh, she's so concerned. I said, well, honey, I wish you'd quit worrying about you. you, you you're planning on being an elderly woman. Yes, she said, I, I think I, I will. I said, well, honey, but you worry about it so much. You know that that affects your heart. And, and that I don't worry about it. You know I'm going to live longer than you are. There's no way. Uh, of course, she tells me about my cholesterol and and all these other things that she's concerned about. And I, I agree, there's some validity in all of it. But you can't just fit everybody into one little, uh, one little equation. Uh, it's like, I, I don't think it's good to smoke. I don't think it's good for our health to smoke or, or chew tobacco. I've, I've visited too many hospitals. And too many, too many rooms where people had cancer. And it seemed like it's been encouraged to buy tobacco. However, I have to admit, my neighbor was 92 when he died. And the last time I saw him on the porch, he was smoking. I guess the tobacco's what got him. He hadn't smoked, no telling how long he lived. And the same's true about eating. I know people who have eaten uh, unhealthily, uh, and they they have, live a long life. And then I know other people that seem to eat everything that's right and, and don't have an ounce of fat on them. And, and yet we dig their grave before we dig others. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I don't have it all figured out. But I know this, at our best, this old body's going back to the dust. We're headed to the graveyard. I don't care what we do to try to keep it from happening. We might as well get us a pot and get ready. They're going to have to bear us beneath the sod. But hallelujah, we're headed for a country where there's no death and where there's no defilement and where there's no deterioration. And there'll be no people that are old in that country. Ah, oh, brother. 
There'll be no arthritic bodies in heaven. There'll be no cancer-eating bodies in heaven. There'll be no diseased-filled people in heaven. No, it's a land where we'll never grow old. (laughs) And so our inheritance goes beyond all death. It goes beyond all defilement. It goes beyond all deterioration. May I add, it goes beyond all disappointment. Now, I know that some of y'all feel the same way. But if they're ever going to be out of the product that I need, they're going to be out of it when I go to buy. (laughs) And if they ever don't have an empty table when my wife and I go to the restaurant, it'll be when we show up. We're sorry, we've got a 20-minute wait. I mean, I'm not impatient or anything. When you lay down on your horn in McDonald's line, you know you're impatient, son. Impatient. (laughs) You ever felt like that they, they ran out of that special bargain. You you hurried in from work, got your wife, she had the coupon, had got the paper with the coupon in it, and boy, you headed over there, you was going to get it. And when you got over there, they said, we're sorry. We just sold the last one of those 25 minutes ago. You could have just gotten here early. We had a great supply. Seems like that's always happening to me. If a man lived by that kind of attitude, however, he'd think when I get to heaven, they're going to say, I'm sorry, all the mansions are full. There are no more seats around the marriage table. I'm sorry we ran out of white robes about two months ago. I'm sorry. We do have a spot down by the creek, but it's the part that's muddy. And we've run out of good water over there on that side of heaven. No, not on your life. I want to tell you we're headed for a country where they're not going to run out of mansions for those who are God's people. But it's reserved for you. Reserved in heaven for you. This promise takes us beyond all disappointment. There'll be no places in heaven that are so occupied that God's people can't find a place. (laughs) No, sir. I might add, too, there'll be no empty mansions up there either. No, sir. God doesn't count wrongly. He doesn't prepare illegitimately. No, but I promise you, we've got a place, as old brother William Huntley used to say, marked off over home. 
It's reserved for you. Now, uh, this is nothing new to the church here. Y'all know I've been doing this for 20 years, God willing. On Monday, around 2 o'clock, my wife and I and our youngest daughter will board uh, a big uh, ship. And uh, we'll get on board to go down to the Bahamas and suffer for Jesus for a few days. That's the only reason we get to do it every year. As I speak on that boat every day. Do you know what I like about the trip? The best. I, I mean after you've got all this plush conveniences. All these added benefits. All these luxurious uh, things right at your fingertips. All week. You know what I like the best? Because I'm one of the speakers. When I get down to the dinner table. There's a table down there that says reserved for Reverend and Mrs. Tom Hanks. They don't tell me, we're sorry, Mr. Hayes. You're going to have to go down to the little cafe. You're going to have to go up on deck and eat hamburgers. You're going to have to go over to the salad, uh, the salad line. You can't come in for the main course tonight. We've already given away. No, I've got a, I've got a place reserved for me at the table. And I want to say, beloved, one of the things I like about heaven is I'm not going to get there and be disappointed and say, well, sorry, there wasn't enough plans. There wasn't enough forethought. There wasn't enough, uh, uh, prearrangements. No, I've got a place marked off over home for me. Reserved for you. For you. The great God of eternity. The great God of heaven. The great God of the celestial throne. Has marked off a place for me. Just for me. Reserved in heaven for you. There'll be no disappointment in heaven. It'll all be just right. In my father's house, everything's all right. Then I want you to see before we go our way tonight, a fifth truth in verse 5. Not only does this promise take us beyond all death and beyond all defilement and beyond all deterioration and beyond all disappointment, but it takes us beyond all possible detachment. We'll never be lost if we're God's people. He's got a place marked off, reserved in heaven for you. And then in verse 5 he said about you who are kept. It's the same word that's rendered reserved in verse 4. We've got a place reserved in heaven for us and we're reserved for that place. We are kept by the power of God through faith. And I want to tell you if there's anybody in here that ought to be lost, you're looking at it. If there's anybody here that deserves to be lost, 
It's me. If there's anybody in here that deserves to be forsaken of God, I do. I have come so short of God's glory. I've come so far short of people's expectations. And I've come so far short of my own hopes. But so help me God, the Bible says that it's not only reserved in heaven for you, but we're kept by the power of God. Fact is, I'm not worthy, but I'm kept. I'm guarded. Our middle daughter is the animal lover in our family. And a friend of ours gave us a, a male cat that turned out to be a female. Oh, she'll enjoy this cat, Tom. Yeah, we did. We enjoyed it several generations. <laughs> and this cat that I named Cripsy because I was preaching through the book of Jude the week we got her. And you remember Jude said about those apostates, they crept in unaware. Named her Cripsy, and it stuck. And Cripsy had a little cat, a little kitten. I have to admit, I, I, I have to be honest with you, it's the prettiest little kitten I'd ever seen in my life. It wasn't just a gray cat. It, it looked like something that come out of the powder room. It's so fluffy, and, and just the markings on it were perfect. And Angela treated that cat like it was a baby. I tell you, she carried it around and baby carried a little baby stroller. She wrapped it up in baby clothes. It just didn't seem real, that cat. The day came when that kitty was missing. Son, it got heavy around the household. Came dark. Kitty's missing. We thought we heard it meowing under the house. I said, well, if it's under the house, it'll come out. But it didn't. And that little kitty, beautiful as it was, died under my house. And I, of course, you'd have to know now, that old trailer we lived in, there wasn't much crawl space. I had to work my way up and underneath that place. And we left it under there long enough. We knew it was definitely there. And Angela wanted to have a funeral. Daddy, of all kitties, that's been my favorite. Of all of them. Well, we, had, we did have the funeral, but thankfully we didn't have to go back every year and plant flowers. But, uh, and if you want to tell it on me, yes, I officiated. <laughs> I did. Prayed for the family. 
in the loss of this beloved one. I did. But if there was any little cat that I personally thought ought to live and ought to be seen and ought to be exhibited, it was that cat until I went under the house to get it. It didn't take me long to realize we got to bury this in a hurry. But Angela, though it was awful, and though she shouldn't have, she had to see it. She had to go through all that mourning, and she had to go through all the tears, and through all the withdrawals, and through all the pain. But according to this text, though that ugly, dead, stinking cat that had been one time beautiful and did not deserve the attention of one human being, not only got much attention, but got a royal funeral to go with it and got my favorite shoebox to bury it. I want to tell you there's not a one of us here tonight that deserves any of God's faith. At our best, our righteousness is stinking God's nostrils. We're an ugly sight to behold in our disobedience, in our insufficiency. But glory be to God. God has said, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to guard you. I'm going to preserve you through faith. In the last time, you'll be revealed. I may not look like much now, but you're not, you're not looking at the finished product. He's going to qualify the inhabitants of this inheritance and they will have the same features of the inheritance. Praise God, we'll have a body that's incorruptible, that is uh, undefiled and that fades not away. What a time, what a, what a hope is ours in the Lord Jesus. This is a promise that goes beyond. How blessed to know as God's people, as God's elect, as God's sanctified, blood-washed people, born-again ones, we have this hope. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me?